Welcome back into another episode of George in the Jungle, presented by Remington Tavern. You can visit Remington Tavern at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140. Drown those Bearcat sorrows in a daily happy hour from 3 to 7 p.m. If that's not enough for you, there are $5 Woodford Wednesdays. Those happen to be more often than not days after a Tuesday game. Or you can find them on Instagram at Remy Tav, R-E-M-I-T-A-V, Cincy with a Y. And follow them on Facebook. George, it was a yes, sir. It was a there. There was a game tonight at Fifth Third, and uh, I don't know what else to say about it. Other yeah, than I mean, there, I there was a day with a hangover and did yoga for the first time and thought this day can't get any worse. <laughs> and then I go and watch this tonight over there. Um, <laughs> And, and it was bad from the get-go. And, you know, the, the scoreboard shows they lost by nine. It felt and looked a lot worse than that. Um, I, I don't understand coming out the way they do. Let's just back up. First of all, I don't understand starting Victor Lockett again. I just don't. I'm sorry. You can believe in him all you want, love him all you want, say you need him down the stretch all you want to, to make this season a success. But don't you want to get off to a good start in a game that you have to win? And this guy has been miserable lately. I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know what's wrong, but I know this. I wouldn't have been starting him tonight at the beginning of the game or starting him at the beginning of the second half after I saw how he played in the first half in, in limited time, thank goodness. Um, and then to come out and, and all those turnovers, and I don't know what was wrong with, with Day-Day Thomas at the beginning of the game. but And then the Bearcats looked like they were completely shocked Anytime they dumped the ball down by the baseline or, or got to a corner that they were getting double teamed and trapped. And it's like, how did they not talk about this or be prepared? Because when you get in those spots on the floor and you're catching the ball, you got to know where you're going with it right away when that double team comes. You've got to already know, already have a plan where that ball's going if that double team comes. And it came just about every time. And they look like they just flat out were not ready for that. And that's disappointing. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, you lose and, and play fairly well against Houston on Saturday. And that was a tough loss. And and you see, you know, we can go over that in a little bit and, and things that went wrong there. Um, but tonight it was just went wrong from the get-go and didn't get much better. The 25 turnovers is what really sticks out. In, in that final box score. And and then you look at points in the paint too. And I forget what I said it was. It was um like 36 to 14 or something. I mean, come on. That that's a recipe for losing a basketball game right there. And UC couldn't get the ball inside. They couldn't get the ball in the paint at all. Yeah, it was it, it, that's just brutal. Whereas Iowa State was able to get to the rim time after time after time. Um and UC's defense wasn't horrible other than letting them get in the lane. And I guess half the second was bad if they were letting them get in the lane time after time. But but Iowa State, like Houston, made some tough shots down the stretch, too, that made a difference. But I just uh, – very, very disappointing when you look at um, 
the lineup, some of the playing time. I, I just, I, I just don't know why he started that lineup again. I just, I don't get it. Don't get it. Do you think that this team was potentially uh, dealing with their own hangover after having played Houston so physically on Saturday? Possibly. I mean, there, there's, it sure looked like it. There was some of that, but I mean, I, you know, they're young guys and they've got two days to recover and then come out and play. And I just don't see any, any excuse for turning it over 25 times in a college basketball game. I mean, that's just terrible. And then, you know, and, and the point guards were a big part of that problem. Um, 11 between them. Uh, but everybody else contributed. And, and, and another thing that bothers me about watching this UC team play offense is so many times you've got Aziz out there by the three-point line just to facilitate a pass or something. <sighs> Call me stupid, but his ball handling skills to me are about the worst thing about him. I mean, you know, his feet inside trying to do post moves might be the worst. But his hand, that that's not, I don't know why you put him in that position to do that. You got to come up with something else. That's what I think. I could be crazy. I know these guys know more, you know, forgotten more basketball than I'll never, ever know. But I, I don't get that. I just, it doesn't work. And so that was frustrating to see again. Well, speaking of frustrating, I know you brought up at the beginning of your, your tirade here, um, Frustrated with the starting lineup. Vic Lockin only sees nine minutes in this one as a starter. Goes 0 for 2, and he's been in a, a slump, I, I think is a fair word to use. Oh, yeah. Uh, only ends up with one rebound, an offensive rebound at that. Uh, that's that's it on the entire stat line here. Uh, Something's a, happened to him. I don't know what it is, and I know – you know, there's a tendency to say, well, they're playing better competition is, but he's had good games against good teams and good competition. But it seems like ever since he missed that game when he was sick, I, I think that's when this started. I don't know what happened or what's going on, um, but but something's not right there. And, you know, it's almost not fair to him to keep putting him in that position to start and, and go out there and, and just, you know, it seems like that puts more pressure on him than if you sat him down a little bit. I, I I know they want to get him going, but you know what? It's February. You got to get wins now, especially when you're considered somewhat of a bubble team, which right now they're outside the bubble. I mean, yeah. Not, I, it's, not they're anymore. They're a ticket to the NIT tonight. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I don't know why you got to win these games and you got a guy who's four for his last 29 from the field and you start him again. Um, it just doesn't work for me. I just, I, I just don't get it and I wouldn't do it. And I will disagree with Wes Miller now, tomorrow and the next day on, on what they did with him tonight. And quite honestly, Saturday, I wouldn't have started him Saturday. In the chat here, Gray Bush live says we had three starters score seven or score three points. Uh, Gray Bush live. I'll raise you four starters that in total scored seven points um, because you had Vic with zero, Aziz with one. Um, 
Newman that, too. That that one came on on his four free throw attempts. Um, Newman had two on a dreadful shooting night for him. For him, although he kept it limited, uh, he was over three. Uh, his two came off of free throws, two for two. Uh, Dene four points on two of five. He had six turnovers to lead the team. Um, of course, there were four unaccredited turnovers. I'm not sure who those are going to be. They're they're on the stat sheet. They're not pinned on anybody. I don't know how that's possible, but <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of turnovers by the invisible man. Um, yeah, you know, Bandego with four turnovers in his line. He did have seven rebounds, but you know, zero for one took one shot. I it's that's just a a brutal stat line, and then you've got Skillings down there, just four of 11, but he had 13 and 11 rebounds um, yeah. and no turnovers by him, and he wasn't starting. And I, I just, when I saw that lineup come out tonight, I'm like, please, dear God, you know, have one big and let Skillings start this game, and that's not what we got. And, you know, <laughs> Dan was as bad a stretch as anything. Dan was a bright spot. He also had two blocks, two steals. That means he caused two more turnovers than he even committed, which no one else on this team can say that. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's the only player – well, I take that back. Jamil actually finished with a higher plus-minus with nine. Uh, Dan finishing with, with plus six. Um, well, really this point, I mean, they've just put themselves in such a bad spot now. You know, they've got limited opportunities to impress people and – um you know what? Where are we at record-wise now? It's uh, in conference. What's or that? At home. In conference or at home? Yeah, conference four and seven. Yeah. yeah, they're they're in big trouble here. I mean, can they go five and two down the stretch and get to the what we feel like might be a magic nine and nine? And then then you know if you do make a little run or win a couple games in the tournament. They can pull it off, but that's asking a lot for a team that we've seen do what they've done over the past couple of weeks. You're, you you're asking West Virginia. Them. You get the good win at Texas Tech. You come back, play well against Houston, but not well enough to win on your home floor uh, after you had a 38-31 lead in the second half. Um, and then you you throw that – you roll that rotten egg out there tonight. I just don't see how they get it done. You're asking them just to win as many or more games than they've already won of 11. Yeah. I, I don't see it. No, I don't either. I don't. I mean, there is a path. You know, they can maybe complete a Hail Mary, but I doubt it. That's what it is at this point. You would be completing a Hail Mary. Um, people in the chat here talking about um, Fifth Third and, and how they need to play at Fifth Third better. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think – I'm going to challenge the people at fifth third though, to be better cheering a guy for being pulled off the floor is a, not a way to support your team. Really? Um, I don't like it. I don't booing, like it. Booing a guy who's on a slump is not really a way to get a guy out of a slump. Um, I, I just, I feel like the fans, I can understand you're frustrated. I'm frustrated, but I don't know that that's helping anything when you're there in person well the comment about the the slump buster is true for Vic. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean something's got to give right you got to come up with some way to get out of this slump because i i mean he's 
he's in the middle of it. And I just don't know. Uh, I don't know how you get out of it, but as the chat said, Mark Grace figured it out. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's good points in here. Uh, what did I see? The oh, the Iowa State defense. I mean, my God Almighty, um, they do play their, their defense, but you got to be ready for that. You've got to have like a plan. You've got to know these guys are going to trap and double you down, double your team you down there. Just it just didn't look to me like the Bearcats were ready for that. Yeah, uh, one guy who has been improving game over game for the last roughly, I don't know, three games or so now, uh, Jamil Reynolds. I, I think he showed as much heart and grit tonight as he's shown all season, and that's the second game in a row now. I've said that. He's, I said the same thing after the Houston game. He finishes 2 of 4. He had five defensive, one offensive rebound to end with six rebounds. Um did have a little bit of foul trouble, three, but played the most minutes out of any of the bigs at 21, more than Aziz's 20, more than Vic's nine. Um, and he finishes, again, like I said earlier, uh, with the highest plus minus at, at plus nine. You got to love what you're seeing. At, two blocks, by the way. Uh, you you got to yeah. love what you're seeing out of, out of Jamil. Yeah, he plays really, really hard. He's not afraid to bang down there, um, not afraid of contact, doesn't always finish. Um, boy, he had one move tonight. Um, oh, if he just made the bucket, God, he did everything else strong and put the ball up strong. In fact, a little too strong. But uh, yeah, he's he's rounding in the shape and, and becoming, you know, one of the better assets on that team when, when you're talking about the inside game. There's no doubt about it. I don't want it to be confused with me blaming the refs for this game because it was certainly not the refs' fault, but I did put a tweet no. out tonight. Got a, little, got a little bit of traction. I don't know what a foul is anymore, George. This conference has confused me to where we call hand check fouls, but we don't call as a guy with handling the ball. We don't call the forearm shoves. We right. don't call anything if a guy's going up for a layup, it seems. It's almost I don't. like the three refs all have a different idea of what the foul is. Like, you know, it's like one guy calls – well, there was one guy tonight that called a lot of crazy stuff. But I, I'm with you on that. I thought um, there were some really bad calls in the Houston game. And I, I didn't see um, – I saw the replay in the arena. I didn't get a real good look at that charge on Jizzle late in the game. It was probably the – Terrible. He was still moving. moving laterally, he never right? stopped. He yeah. never stopped. Okay, I thought I saw that, and I'm like, how is that I a don't charge? Even, I, don't even think two, I don't even think he had two feet on the ground when the ref blew the whistle. And there was another time, and I want to say it was, oh, I can't remember what happened. Somebody, there was a whistle underneath, and there were just two players there. I can't even remember the exact thing. but. The ref doesn't blow the whistle till the ball goes through the bucket and hits the floor. Then he blows a whistle and calls a foul on the floor before that play. Um, God, it was down at the end I was sitting on, so it must have been an Iowa State bucket. But it was crazy. It's like I saw it right away, and it's like, where is the whistle? And then he waits till the score, and then it's like he wipes out the bucket. He eventually got it right, but I'm just wondering, how are you waiting that long to blow that whistle? And that, that ref, he had a bad night. He had I didn't a bad understand. night. I didn't understand the Jamil Reynolds steal. 
either, where he just he snatched the ball, and that was a reach-in foul towards the end of the game when they were trying to make a run. Yeah. I don't know. Just I'm but not. I did not. I, I again, didn't, I, Top yeah. G, you you missed the whole rant, Top G. But I, I, I will not, say that I am disappointed in what I've seen out of the officiating in the Big 12. I agree. I thought, I, I thought okay, this is going to be a step above or at least a little better than, than what we're used to with the American. And they're making the American look like a bunch of great referees. I mean, they really are. That that one dude shouldn't be refereeing a freaking Ludlow Panther high school game. I mean, I, I don't know where they're getting these people. Top G in, in the chat here, we're not blaming the refs for this loss. We know that yeah, you cannot no, <laughs> 25 turnovers is insurmountable. We're sim- I'm I'm simply making the point that I don't understand what a foul is anymore in this conference. Yeah, and it's 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 not consistent. Yeah, I mean the Bearcats for- got beat and beat handily in my yes, in my book. Yes. But there is still room for criticism for some weird calls in the game and and the reason i'm pointing it out is because i've seen it pretty much every game i've attended you're sitting there going what and and look you know i i i just i i think the refereeing in this league has been disappointing the only consistency is the inconsistency because it's not the same it's not the same from beginning of half to end of half it's not the same from beginning of game to end of game it's certainly not the same from crew to crew I, I don't know what we're no. what we're seeing. So no, they got to fix that. They got to fix that because I don't think we're the only ones talking about that. No, I, I know Fran Fraschella was had been mentioning both on Twitter and in the broadcast against Houston. Uh, he he was saying that this league has gotten entirely too physical, and he thought they needed to dial back the physicality of this league. Um, but I, I'm not necessarily worried about how physical the league is. Just make sure that they're. The, uh, calling a foul is consistent across Correct. the board. Correct. That's that's all. Yeah, that's it. I don't think that's. I don't think that's asking too much. No, I I, I just I don't either. And and look, the Big Twelve needs to work to make that happen. In fact, someone told me I don't. I maybe you know this is true or not true that they didn't even really grade their officials till at some point in this season they decided oh I guess we better like keep an eye on these people. And grade not them. that any of that matters. Well, do, do they do they announce the grades publicly? I sincerely doubt that. Maybe no, they're giving the co- I, maybe I, they're giving the coaches I, the grades, but but what does that do? Well, you would like to think internally that you know some guys don't get asked back next year that uh, don't make the grade, so to speak, and that's how you that's how you have to handle this stuff. There's no other way to do it if you just tell a guy, hey, you missed a couple calls, but come back next year and make. Whatever you make a game, you know, again next season. That, that doesn't solve a damn thing. Uh you you've got to you've got to have accountability and um they need to work on that, but there's a lot of things UC needs to work on too. And uh I thought this team was getting better a couple weeks ago, and now I'm not so sure about that. Well, the only reason Cincinnati stayed in this game, 37 points from their bench. 15 points off of turnovers for Cincinnati, but that was that was met with 26 points off turnovers by Iowa State. Yeah, State, it was 26-9 in that department until the last couple of minutes of the game. Only only four fast break points for Cincinnati. Uh, just not not great. Um, I know. I, I I understand you're bringing up free throws here. Cincinnati did have 17. 
Iowa State had eight. Look, I'm not saying that they called a, a – I guess my point is I still just don't know what a foul is, whether it is a foul or isn't a foul. I, I don't know what that is, but right. in any case. Right. Um, looks like we got some people here rejoin or joining in that maybe missed the beginning. Uh, we did address that the, the starting lineup probably should have been changed, if not – if not this game, maybe that even against should have been changed Saturday. And I'll be damned if you come back out um, and and do the same starting lineup in the second half like like happened tonight. And if I'm not mistaken, that may have happened Saturday as well. Saturday they did change the the lineup. They get it second half, but but uh, I think Vic was in to start the second half on Saturday, if I remember correctly. I think. I thought that was. I thought they brought in Dan. I don't know. Maybe they did. But why would they bring him in tonight to start the second half? I mean, first of all, I don't know why you did it for the first half, but but it's not just him. It's not just him. But he is a reason for what happened tonight. But my God, those turnovers—that's what uh, ultimately was the biggest problem tonight. Uh, Iowa State does everything the right way. I don't know that. I've seen – I know we, we are coming off a game against Houston where they did – they also do everything the right way. Houston plays perhaps a bit more physical than even Iowa State. Um, but Iowa State, honestly, nothing really like – I guess nothing really jumped off the page for me as far as anybody being outstanding, anybody – they just seem like a very fundamental, well-run team. Everything they do, it seemed like – was a well-oiled machine. Whereas a very well-coached team. And it kind of looks like everybody can do a little bit of everything with them. It's it's a it's a tough team. I mean, they're 10th in the country for a reason. And that was on full display tonight. But man, that that defense is uh ooh. I mean, I think I was more impressed with that than maybe I was Saturday with Houston. I don't know. It's on that caliber. It is definitely on that caliber. UC could not get the ball in the paint uh, to save their lives. In fact, I'd love to know how many of those points in the paint were, were you know, in transition as opposed to a half-court offense. I know Dan had the one dunk, and that was in the half-court when he took it baseline, but I don't think they got a, you know, I don't think they got too many more decent looks inside. Uh, well, I would have – think it's a safe assumption that Jamil's four were probably in the paint. I don't know that he really plays no, out yeah. of the paint. Yeah, thank God he doesn't stand out at the three-point line and launch it. <laughs> um and uh Aziz, neither neither Aziz or 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 Vic or John did anything uh there in in the paint as as they were not credited with a, a field goal. Yeah, so. you know, Seamoss had a couple nice plays inside in the first half where he drew fouls, and I thought they were going to get that going. And you know, number twelve had a couple of quick fouls. They got him out, and somebody else had a couple. Um, I thought they might be able to to keep working that, but it just didn't happen. It, it just seemed like it just wasn't there, and. Probably Iowa State had a lot to do with that. Um, they obviously fixed something 
because that didn't happen in the second half. Yeah. I don't know what, what this team is going to have to do. I, I mean, to, to get right, like to, to where they're even, I, I don't know that there's anything this, this year's iteration of, of this team can do the rest of the season to get right. And, and I mean, what, five, six, six wins to get in the tournament. If they, Complete the Hail Mary that you talked about earlier? Yeah, probably. I mean, what, five and two? If they can get five and two and get one in the tournament, um, you know, that that might get them there. It's going to be interesting. I don't know that it guarantees it, but it probably gets them in. Um, And that depends. You know how that bubble is every year. There's people losing all over the place, and it changes so much. Um, So hopefully they get back in the conversation, but – they're going to have to start playing better than what we saw tonight. There's no doubt about it. And what we saw at West Virginia, too. Um, those are two uh, somewhat disturbing performances out of this team. Brent did put out a tweet tonight. He said, a, a positive from tonight is the continuing development of Jizzle James. The Bearcats freshman had his second highest scoring output of the season with 16 points leading the team. His four made triples are a career high and more than he has made in all of Big 12 play combined. Yeah, he played really well for a while tonight. I felt like, you know, in the second half, it kind of got away from him a little bit uh, as the game wore on. But, man, he he came in, played very well in the first half for the most part. Um and they needed him because I, I don't know what was going on with Thomas, but that was a very un-Thomas-like performance with the ball in his hands tonight. He he was just having all kinds of struggles, and I, I thought something might be wrong with him. It's like this just doesn't look like the same guy I've seen, confident with the ball in his hands. Sometimes, yeah, okay, he gets a little too fast and, and a mistake will happen, but, I mean, he, you know – dribbled right into a trap early in the game, and then he had a couple other just total blunders that you couldn't even explain, like passes that just to no one, and it was just bizarre. He dribbled the one ball off his foot early in the game, coming down the floor and getting down close inside. It just, I don't, they rattled him, somebody rattled him, or, uh, you know, he just had one of those bad biorhythm games. I don't know. It could, could have been bad biorhythms. Who knows? Just uh, the leading all scores tonight with that 16. Um, 25 minutes for him as well, which uh, I don't recall the last time he had more minutes with, than more minutes than Day Day. Yeah, well, it was necessary tonight. I mean, that's Agreed. how Thomas was. Uh, and you kept hoping that he would get it back and get it back, but it just did not happen from start to finish. He just had a brutal game. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, it, you know, it was more than just him when you have 25 turnovers, but he had, what do you have, six of them? Uh, he had, Jizzle had five, Data had six. Yeah, 11, 11 turnovers out of the point guards. That's yep. going to probably do you in most games. Uh, another frustrating stat, uh, you love to see C.J. Frederick back, but 16 minutes for him, only three points, no rebounds, two assists. Um I think that you have to find ways to get CJ Frederick open, whether that be in 
in like in transition and get him an open look or whether that be just through a play to, to get him screened open or something, a catch and shoot, whatever the case may be. If you're going to have a guy who shoots 44% from three point line and you're playing from behind most of the game, he's your best shooter with, I, I think without question, he's back. If he's going to be out there, he needs to be shooting the ball more than twice, more yep. than once outside the arc, especially if he's going to play 16 minutes. Totally agree. Um, and you, you got to figure that out. You got to figure out ways to get him involved and get him open. The three points he had, it was he got the ball in the corner and faked the shot and then drove in yeah. and foul and got the bucket and a nice three point play. And I was hoping that would get him going and a little more involved, but that was it. Um, you know, and then of course he made the three that was after the shot. Right, right. That happened a couple of times too, where they. Uh. I mean, good Lord, one time the shot clock's running down and one of the guys, and it may have been Newman, somebody threw a lob in and it's like, well, hell, even if he catches it clean, he's not going to have time to put it. It just, I don't know. They, they Offensively, they stunk tonight. They absolutely stunk. And it, it looked like they had no plan to attack that defense one way or the other. And, uh, you know, they completely outplayed on that end of the floor almost to a, an embarrassing de degree. I don't know. I don't know if you have any more to add on this game or if you wanted to pile on any more with the Houston loss on Saturday. The only uh, thing I would say about the Houston loss, um, and I thought they played well. I thought defensively they played well. Um, frustrating with the starting lineup again. And then, you know, Vic firing those threes early in the game. He had like two in the first three minutes and then fired another one a few minutes later. And it's like, why? Why? And I, I don't blame it all on him. In fact, I'll blame it on Wes. He probably shouldn't have been in the game. And for God's sakes, he shouldn't be out there hanging around, catching balls at the three-point line and letting them fly. I just don't get it. I don't care that he made five against Georgia Tech. How many is, he probably hadn't made five since that game. That might actually be a fair stat. Yeah. So anyway, that, that bothered me. But um, they gave me hope that they would be in the game tonight after seeing them Saturday. But you're right. I mean, maybe that game took a little something out of them. But, you know, these guys are young. They should be able to bounce back and play, you know, three nights later. Well, if we're, if we're looking at tonight and, and using that as a measuring stick, for who should start uh, come Saturday as they travel to Orlando against UCF. Uh, personally, I, I don't know that you can say that Jamil hasn't earned a start at center at this point. I would agree. I, would agree. I, I, I think I – think, I know I, I was beating the drum earlier this season for a jizzle start over Day Day. I don't know that I'm quite – I think I've, I've, I've dialed back a little bit but, but I think those guys are, are close to 20-minute guys each, um, if not 25-minute guys each. Figure it out who's sitting on the bench. Sounds like you got probably still some minutes to play with from where Vic used to be um, because I don't think Vic right now needs to be playing much more than about 10 minutes uh, and, and let him ease back into who Vic used to be. Like, right. find, find some bunnies. Find some, some stuff down low for him to get back into his groove. 
right, get some rebounds, stick them back in, things like that. I, it, it seems like that has just completely gone away here lately. I, I don't uh, know what's couple, going on. I think a couple hustle plays, a couple coaches clapping for him, doing something right, the crowd cheering for him, doing something right. right. I think those things would go a long way for a guy who's not who he used to be. Yeah, no, there, there's something going on. And like I said, it's just, well, now we're looking at, what, five straight games or something like that, that, that he's played poorly. Um, and it all started after he was sick that game. I, I don't know yep. what's going on. What game was that? Was that West Virginia or before? It was. I can't even remember. It might have been before that even. Um, yeah, I think it was before that. There's, there's a stat. Lockins made four threes in ten conference games. So there you go. So he may have made a couple more in, in non-conference. So maybe he has made more than five since Georgia Tech. But it's got to be in that ballpark. Um, but, yeah, you you go down to Orlando and you play a tough UCF team that has been not an easy beat at home. Right. Um, I would I would think that you're probably going to see – Yes, for me, I would I would like to see it be what Day Day and John and I guess Seamoss and uh, Dan and and Jamil. I think that's my five. I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I think some of the times, of course, it depends on who you're playing, but. They've looked so much better with one big some of the times. I, I just don't understand this fascination with playing these guys together all the time. I, I just – I haven't seen it work. We had we, we had we had zero points when Wes made his first substitution tonight. Zero points. <laughs> That's that, – yeah. Zero points and how many turnovers, I wonder. <laughs> God. I think I think I think we had eleven by by eight minutes into the game. Yeah, it, it was just just awful. Just um, Cincinnati, of course, shooting shooting woes. Thirty eight percent for the game, thirty nine from three, seventy from from the free throw line. Just all around. Not that not that Iowa State was much better, but. 47.5% from the field and uh, I have 18 from three. Man. Yeah, they were like one for their first seven. And and I was a little worried then. It's like they're not going to shoot it that poorly all night. And I felt like UC should made more of a, an impact on the game at that point. But when you turn it over every other possession, you're not you're not going to. They got to value the ball more. I mean, you just can't giveaway possessions like that. You just can't. Every one of them's valuable. I know, you know, at the end of the game, it's easier to think, well, this was a big possession. This was a big, but if you convert some early, you don't have to convert so many late. And they just, I just don't see them value the ball like they should. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is, but Wes has got to figure that stuff out. That's what he's getting paid to do. He's got to figure it out. Five of 16 from layups tonight, George. <laughs> That's getting into my territory right there. Jeez. Five of 16. <laughs> That's the kind of crap I used to do. 
if I'm a betting man and I say that you have an open lane and you all you have to do is lay it up and I'm going to give you 16 attempts, I'm going to guess that you make more than five. But maybe I guess maybe it, one time. I, I guess. I guess it depends if it's before or after the game and how many how many drinks you've had. In the yeah, well, today, because <laughs> I took care of that last night, and I've been paying the price. <laughs> For some reason, uh, I decided to start yoga class today with a hangover. That was not smart, but... Goodness gracious. Oh, I was sweating it out on me, too, and this wasn't even hot yoga. And I'm just half-drenched. It was brutal. Well... We will. Uh, I'm not sure if Chad and I are going to go live later tonight or not, but in any case, we are going to switch gears here on this show and talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. And of course, the Chiefs win because Taylor Swift and all of that. I'm not surprised, although I bet against it because I just could not bring myself to do it for the former Bearcat, Travis Kelsey. Um, but the more fun stuff for me was watching Jason Kelsey and all the videos emerge from him celebrating after the Super Bowl. <laughs> because I don't know if you've seen any of these these videos from him wandering around Vegas. I I should have looked and I didn't because when first of all I had money on the Chiefs, but even in their last drive, I'm like I don't even care if they. I, they could turn it over for all I care. I was having a real hard time even rooting for my money in that game because I just <laughs> wasn't thrilled with either participant, if you know what I mean. Um, it's just – and I bet on the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's what I was doing. And when push came to shove and they had to have stuff done in that overtime drive, he did it. The fourth and one when he kept it got the first down. Then they called a designed run right after that, I believe, and he got about 10 to 12 yards on that. In fact, he was the Chiefs leading rusher in the game, and he just – I know people in Cincinnati don't like him and they're sick of him and all this stuff, but, boy, he, he's he's a winner and he's out there every game. He just – he shows up every time. I don't know how he's – Avoided major injuries the way he plays because he plays very hard. He doesn't. But, you know, then then you got to think like the Niners. What bothered me about them is on their drive, and, and I believe I'm correct on this, in overtime, and we can talk about that overtime decision too to, to take the ball first, but, but they're driving down the field, and McCaffrey just ripped off like a five- or six-yard run, and he was carrying him on that drive. And then on second down inside the 10, like second and maybe four or five, they try that goofy freaking shovel pass thing or something to McCaffrey. I can't remember. They did something odd, and it got blown up for no gain. Uh, and I'm just like, why are you turning to that now at this critical point in the game when your traditional stuff was getting the ball down the field? Uh, you, you were driving it down their throat, so to speak speak and that that Chiefs defense has played great lately they have played great and that's the reason they won that damn Super Bowl I mentioned Mahomes first I should back up and say the Chiefs defense is why they won that game but Mahomes had a lot to do with it too obviously engineering that final drive but I thought the Niners tried to get a little too cute and they had to settle for that field goal and that 
ended up costing them. Well, a couple things that you brought up that I want to address. Um, first and foremost, curious to get your thoughts on Travis Kelsey and his Andy Reid meme that Ooh. has gone completely viral everywhere, and just the way he was he was screaming at his coach. And, and what was your reaction to? And, well, I thought that? it wasn't a good look. It was not a good look. That's no. not. That's that's you know, and and Andy Reid obviously best coach in the league right now probably i mean he probably has a lot of the best players too but he's done it in philly now he's doing it in kansas city and doing it better in kansas city um you've got to give that man props and i just thought that was that was over a line i didn't want to see i didn't want to see travis do and i just thought you know he blew it it's an emotional game and and we've seen that kind of stuff before but man oh man um, that just was not a good look, a little disappointing, but I'm sure he and Andy Reid will be able to move past that, especially after winning a game like that. Uh, in the chat here, without Harrison Butker, they don't win that game either. Clutch bombs by him. Oh, after his nails. He just, yeah, he is something else. I mean, that, that guy is really, really, really good. And who had any doubts? there at the end of regulation he wasn't going to drill that i mean that guy and it was nice that they got it closer for him because even if he would have had the, if he'd had to kick it i think at one point it would have been like 57 or six i forget where they were in the drive and it's like you got to get closer but i would not have doubted that he walks out there and drills that one well like, but if the, if the niners make the extra point instead of uh having it blocked i know just saying was, that stuff changes everything, man. You see an extra point missed, and somewhere down the road, it has a huge impact on what you're doing in the game because they were able to settle for three there instead of having to punch it in, uh, you know, had they been down four. so. Uh, but it was a fun game to watch. I know some people thought it was kind of boring, and it was uneventful in that first half for the most part. There were a couple cool plays. Uh, you know, the, the pass by the – the kid out of Tennessee for the touchdown that was cool. And then he catches one later. So I guess he and Nick Foles are the only guys to throw for a touchdown and catch one in the same Super Bowl. I thought I would say that. Yeah, there was some cool plays, but I know some people were complaining. It was kind of boring, but no, I thought it was a slugfest. I thought it was interesting how, you know, you talk about McCaffrey and Brock Purdy and, and the receivers and Debo and the guys that the, the Niners have and, you talk about Mahomes and Kelsey and all that, but the defenses were dominating that first half. Um, that that was, you know, people are having to earn every yard. So I, I found it, I found it very compelling, and I pretty much enjoyed the whole darn game, even though I wasn't massively interested in one side or the other. Um, I, I just thought it was a great game, and I thought it'd probably be a close game like that, and um, it kind of turned out the way I thought it would. Love him or hate him, Travis Kelsey was probably already a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he solidifies right. uh, the fact that he's now a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. I got to think Jason and Travis both are first ballots, right? Well, I, I think I think Travis was already a, a first ballot. I think now he's a yeah. unanimous. Yeah. Just, just that he will receive votes across the board, and no one who has a vote will not vote for him. His first Hall of Fame, whereas Kelsey Kelsey may may receive 
not all the, he, I think he'll still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I yeah. just don't know that he's going to be unanimous. But, but yeah, Travis and his record and just his, uh, he shows up in big games. Uh, and I, I, I say that about Mahomes too, but, but there's, you know, Travis has helped him out a lot. He is the best safety valve out there. And, and Mahomes makes great use of him, no doubt about it. That's, that's a combo that's tough to beat, unfortunately. But, uh, hey, there's always next year for the Cincinnati Bengals. That there is. And Jack Taylor uh, was at the game tonight, by the way. He, he was. He Bearcats luck. In fact, I, this is terrible to say, but the Bearcat offense tonight looked much like the football offense the year he was here. It was I, bad. What, because they turned the ball over? Yeah, it was bad. I mean, <laughs> the year he was here, the Bearcats couldn't score anything in football. I I, I was just trying to make the turnover joke, but um, yeah, yeah no, was there, gotcha. Kirk Herbstreit was there as well. So yeah, he got booed again, and then he did <laughs> he did the UC sign, and then they kind of let up on him a little bit. Um, the, but, do these fans not realize they're recruiting his son to be a quarterback at this school? Well, I don't think they care. And I am going to say this, getting back to, I, you know, brought up UC again. I got to give credit to the fans and the, even like the fans in the upper deck are phenomenal. They show up, they're loud. They're always screaming. Uh, they don't leave early. Like a blackout deal, wear black. They all wore black. I mean, like, you know, you look down. And and, and the other, the, the lower level did well, too. But there was still some red and other stuff. Some guy was wearing a were they Were they red sweaters? From the Jets at that Houston game. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> that was so random. I'm serious. He was down in the front row behind the Houston bench, and it's a Boomer, a Science, and Jets jersey. But that upper deck. Is phenomenal. Those people get two thumbs up for me for showing up, cheering like they do, and participating in in what to wear. They got it going on. Uh, one last topic I wanted to touch on before we get out of here with this show is it is the first day, George, the very first day in Arizona as pitchers yep. and catchers had have reported, and they are there. This is the beginning of the season. Uh, the, the the Super Bowl was over, and the, the Reds were very quick to say it's our time, essentially announcing, "Hey, we're here." Um, that I'm 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 excited for this season. I know yep. that Vegas is not high on this team, which I think bodes well for me in my pocketbook. I, I believe they have them at eighty-two and a half. Yes, I think that's what uh, I saw coming out of the gate. Um, I, I know that there were some, uh, quotes today, um, basically saying that Ellie was going to be predominantly the shortstop. Matt McClain will predominantly be your second baseman and you're going to see, um, India floating around on the infield first and third, I guess, um, not ruling anything out for him. I'd Honestly, wouldn't be surprised to see him probably log some minutes uh, or innings, I guess, and in, in this case, uh, in the outfield, uh, yeah. at least during spring training, to see if he's worth a lick out there or not. Um, they're also saying that Spencer Steer is going to be spending the majority of his time out in the outfield. But again, I'm not going to be surprised to see him moving into the infield. 
I think that this team, the way that it is set up with the guys playing the positions that they are playing, which essentially every player on this team has a secondary or a third or a fourth, fifth, and sixth option to move them around on this field. And I think you probably have the most versatile lineup that you've ever had as a, or at least in the modern era, uh, not going back to where pitchers played outfield and all of that, but, you know, back in like the, the tens and twenties and thirties of, of the early 1900s. Yeah, but, they're loaded with flexibility and, and they really are. I mean, they've got Jamer, Candelario who can float around to at third and first and um you know kind of like and, and I mean steer can can float around even a little more than that because he, he gives you some outfield options mm-hmm. um, it's going to be very interesting to see this unfold in spring training and and a lot of times those spring training games can be tedious and all but there's a lot of stuff to look for and how the Reds are going to play that and, you know, they're going to give a lot of guys a lot of looks at different positions, I think. And it's – I'm excited for this team too. And, and you know, some of their, their pitching signings, I mean, Montas has to be healthy and he's got to – I mean, that's a big gamble they made, but they've got the money to do it. Uh, hopefully it pays off for them. Um, they, they've got – and look, they've still got a lot of young pitchers that could step up and fill the void too. Um, they, they've got several of them. So we'll see what comes back from injury and the pitching department and how they do there. But I'm, I'm pretty excited about where they're at. I, I, I can't believe the amount of people they have that can play in field positions and, you know, signing Josh Harrison last week and we'll see if he makes the team or not, but he's certainly a valuable veteran. And it was, it was worth a shot. You know, it's worth a minor league deal to come into camp. Um, and as we talked about last week, there's always injuries and, and and we'll see it. But at least they are now much more equipped to handle injuries. There's not, you know, you don't want to lose some of those frontline guys like McLean or, or, or Ellie. But if you do, you've got viable options to replace them and play at a major league level and not a triple A level. And, and I'm excited about the depth they have. Uh, it's, and they've got a lot of options. I brought up Montas and the pitching. They got a lot of options there too. It's going to, it's going to be a much different feel, I think, to this team coming out of training camp. Cause last year I didn't expect anything out of them. And, and you didn't realize when these guys they brought up, were going to be so darn good right out of the shoot. Uh, hopefully Ellie can make the adjustment and not chase so many pitches and and, and make them yep. you know, come to him a little more. That's going to be interesting to see. And I'm sure they've been working him up one side and down the other to do that. Um, and when they do, look out. I mean, if, if he gets it to that degree, because, I mean, I think we saw enough out of him last year to know that if he gets his pitch, he's going to punish it. Well, I know you talked about some of the versatility. We, we didn't even mention the versatility of guys like Christian Encarnacion Strand, who can play both corners. Uh, I think he can play a little bit of second as well. Uh, Noel Marte, who plays both third and short. Uh, I'm sure he could slot in at, at second if need be. I mean, just the the depth that they have in that regard is insane. Uh, and that's not even bringing up the fact that the farm might be as deep as it's ever been. And I think that allows you to 
if they get to where I'm hoping that they we're, we're all hoping that they can get before the trade deadline, I think you've got a ton of pieces that you could move for it to become oh, yeah. a legit contender as opposed to holding this t- if they're if they're projecting well over and I I would probably be a little hesitant to pull the trigger on making a one-year rental move with the Dodgers looming with the Braves looming with the way that both of those teams are set up I, I think you'd have to really be ahead of schedule but they, they certainly have the pieces to make some moves yeah I think it's going to be exciting and it's going to be fun um I'll be very disappointed if it's not, uh, but I, I just really love the way they're set up, and I love these young guys, and and watching them play last year was terrific. And look, you know, they 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 darn there pulled off a playoff spot last year. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully this year they can get it done because uh, you know, and they they went out and helped the bullpen a little bit, and, and you know they got Suter and, and some veterans that, that can help there. Uh, and I'm not sure about Marte and the hamstring yet, but I'm sure we're going to get an update on that really, really soon. Yeah. Uh, when these guys start rolling in and doing their stuff, and we'll know what he can and can't do. Um, Given their depth and the fact that it's only spring training and not in the midst yeah. of things, I, I think they'll be super slow in bringing him back. They're not going to rush him. Right, right. No, he'll be one of those guys. But I, um Boy, spring training is a funny deal, though, man. You go around, you see a lot of guys you've never heard of in the organization out on the field doing stuff, and you're able to, like, some guys will catch your eye, and you're just like, who's this dude? And, and you know, they've got a guy, God, I can't even remember his name now, that played really well <laughs> at AAA. Who am I thinking of? The, uh, God dang it. Um, oh, that's going to drive me nuts now. God, he's got to be uh, – not Martini. Um, who am I thinking of? Anyway, they, they, they're they loaded with guys um, that, that can um, help this team this year. So I'm excited. Can't wait to see it get going. And uh, the games will be coming up here in a couple weeks. All right. Uh, anything else that you wanted to get to on this episode? No, I'm burned out, man. That, that game, uh, that burned me out a little bit. <laughs> Do you do? You, uh, that's a good question here, Russ. Uh, do you think we see Joey Votto in a not necessarily a Reds uniform, but in a baseball uniform before the end of the season? Oh boy, that's a great question. Um, that's a great question, and I don't know. It sounds like do. he does. Yeah, I think you're right. It sounds like he doesn't want it to end, um, but I, I just can't imagine. Uh, barring something unforeseen, he would be in a Reds uniform. I think it will be somewhere else. I agree that it's going to be somewhere else, but I think that, honestly, without having to give up any pieces, you could potentially be making a move for a around the trade deadline to bring in a guy like a Joey Votto if you're trying to make a push. Right. Necessarily the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and, and you know, you can get him for whatever minimum because he's getting all that money. What's he getting? Seven million from the Reds for the buyout or something like that? I don't I don't, I don't want to talk about that, George. Okay. All right. Well <laughs> it was a it was, you know, not quite the Powerball number, but it's it's a big number. It's it's a and I, I still, still think a hell of a number. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna 
I'm going to guess that it's still not even the highest paid player on the Reds this year that's inactive. I, I think he did. God. Jason Vossler did tear it up last spring. Yeah. He was the he was the catcher. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that was the guy. Went off. Totally did. Totally. And then we carry then we carried three catchers for entirely too long. Oh, uh, totally. yeah, that was just that, that was silly. At least uh you know, they brought Maley back, and I think that's a good thing because he really did a phenomenal job last year defensively yeah. behind the plate and, you know, helping the pitchers out, calling and just a solid veteran leader and veteran influence in that in that clubhouse with all those young guys. He, he was tremendous for them. And a feel-good story because he's a hometown kid. Family, man, I'll tell you what, that family's put out some talent, like the, the, the tight end for the Raiders. They got a, they got a couple guys now that are hometown kids between between him and, and Harrison and uh Suter. Suter. Yeah. I remember that's... back there was a time and it was it would have been the late 80s. They started a lineup that was pretty much all Cincinnati. And man, that's I'm gonna have to really reach back because Chris Welsh started. As the Ron pitch. Oster, um, yeah, you had Pete, you had Oster, you had Buddy Bell, you had Larkin, you had um, Parker. I think was still with them then. I believe he was. So this must have been '86 or '7. Um, and uh, God, I can't believe Eddie Milner was still around, but he may have been. He's from Columbus. Um, it was like this almost a whole local lineup. And I remember I got to find the ball. I got a ball somewhere because the next day somebody got me a ball signed by all those guys that started that game. You you see if you can find that ball before next week and then you can right. drop the names and, and see if we can reach into the way, way back machine. Yeah, it was to, crazy, like how many local guys they had <laughs> on that team. And, and it was a pretty good team too. It was uh, – it was something else. I'll have to find. I think there was God, I can't remember who caught that game. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find the ball and I they may have put a date on it. I'm not sure. I gotta find that thing. Um now I'm really now I'm really grinding thinking about that. But um yeah, I'll try to find that ball and see see what the names are on there and try to see if I can track down the date. All right. Well, that all being said, um I don't know that. I have anything left here. Um, I do want to say good luck this week as the Bearcats baseball team and uh, Coach Bischel start on Friday, this Friday, February 16th in Jacksonville um, before yeah. coming home. They'll actually be home when we do this show uh, next Tuesday. They'll have finished their, their very first home game. Coach was amazing last week. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, they, they play uh, Northern Kentucky uh, next Tuesday at 3 p.m. So hopefully wanna... we get that in. These early season games are so dicey at home. Well, it's Northern Kentucky, so got to start out strong. That's right. That's but right. In any case, that's going to wrap up this episode of George in the Jungle. Again, thank you to Remington Tavern, as always, for sponsoring this one. Uh, you can find them at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140, where they have daily happy hours from 3 to 7 p.m., $5 Woodford Wednesdays, on Instagram at Remy Tav 
Cincy or follow them on Facebook. But until 9 o'clock next week on Tuesday, George Vogel and myself, we are out of here. Thank you very much, Aaron.